Hi, parents, guardians, and caregivers. As usual, I'm going to take a moment before the podcast to thank you for choosing me, Raggedy Auntie, to be your child's reader for the next half hour or so. You can find the list of stories in the show notes on your platform of choice and a link to our Patreon. You know, without you listening, reviewing, rating, and consistently supporting this podcast, we couldn't be here today. So thank you so much for your participation. Today's news is that we are going to have some pretty cool merchandise coming out soon. So if you want a sticker or a button, you can order that online coming up shortly, maybe even t-shirts. So keep your eyes open. Thank you so much for listening. And I am so glad that you are here. Hello, my sweet friend. my sweet friends. Welcome back to the book nook. I'm, oh goodness, achoo! I'm Raggedy Auntie and today I don't feel so well. I woke up this morning and my nose was stuffy and <coughs> my throat was scratchy. It seems like I can't drink enough water and I'm not very hungry. I think today might be a sick day. What I usually do on days when I'm sick is read books. Sometimes I'll watch my favorite television shows and lots of times I take lots of naps. Have you ever had a day when you don't feel well? What kind of things do you do on your sick days? Coming up on today's episode, we're going to hear about a little mouse who maybe wasn't as sick as everyone thought, and we will be reading the next four chapters of My Father's Dragon. Let's get started. The Dormouse and the Doctor by A. A. Milne There once was a dormouse who lived in a bed of delphiniums, blue, and geraniums, red. And all the day long he had a wonderful view of geraniums, red, and delphiniums, blue. A doctor came hurrying round and he said, Tut, tut, I am sorry to find you in bed. Just say ninety-nine while I look at your chest. Don't you find that chrysanthemums answer the best? The Dormouse looked round at the view and replied, when he'd said ninety-nine, that he'd tried and he'd tried and much the most answering things that he knew were geraniums red and delphiniums blue. The doctor stood frowning and shaking his head, and he took up his shiny silk hat and he said, What the patient requires is a change, and he went to see some chrysanthemum people in Kent. The Dormouse lay there and he gazed at the view of geraniums red, and delphiniums blue, and he knew there was nothing he wanted instead of delphiniums blue and geraniums red. The doctor came back, and to show what he meant, he had brought some chrysanthemum cuttings from Kent. Now these, he remarked, give a much better view than geraniums red and delphiniums blue. They took out their spades, and they dug up the bed of delphiniums blue and geraniums red, and they planted chrysanthemums yellow and white. 
And now, said the doctor, we'll soon have you right. The Dormouse looked out, and he said with a sigh, I suppose all these people know better than I. It was silly, perhaps, but I did like the view of geraniums red and delphiniums blue. The doctor came round and examined his chest and ordered him nourishment, tonics, and rest. How very effective, he said as he shook the thermometer. All these chrysanthemums look. The dormouse turned over to shut out the sight of the endless chrysanthemums, yellow and white. How lovely, he thought, to be back in a bed of delphiniums blue and geraniums red. The doctor said, Tut! It's another attack! And ordered him milk and massage of the back and freedom from worry and drives in a car and murmured, How sweet your chrysanthemums are! The Dormouse lay there with his paws to his eyes and imagined himself such a pleasant surprise. I'll pretend the chrysanthemums turned to a bed of delphiniums blue and geraniums red. The doctor next morning was rubbing his hands and saying, There's nobody quite understands these cases as I do. The cure has begun. How fresh the chrysanthemums look in the sun. The dormouse lay happy. His eyes were so tight he could see no chrysanthemums, yellow or white, and all that he felt at the back of his head were delphiniums blue and geraniums red. And that is the reason, Aunt Emily said, if a dormouse gets in a chrysanthemum bed, you will find, so Aunt Emily says, that he lies fast asleep with his front paws to his eyes. not so sure that that little dormouse was sick at all. I think that that doctor misunderstood the situation and could have taken a closer look and seen why this little mouse was sick. The next time I see a dormouse curled up in a bed of chrysanthemums, white and yellow, I will whisper to him where he can find some delphiniums and he can go and enjoy his sleep there instead. I'm going to make a cup of hot tea. I love tea when I'm sick and I still don't feel very well. And we can listen to the next four chapters of My Father's Dragon together. Last time we learned that my father, Elmer Elevator, met a cat in a rainstorm. His mama didn't like that cat very much and that made Elmer upset. So my father went to the park and spoke with the cat and learned all about the island of Tangerina and Wild Island where there was a dragon who had been trapped and was being forced to work when he didn't really want to. So you know what my father did? He resolved to go to Wild Island and set that dragon free. So with the help of that cat, he packed up and ran away to the island of Tangerina. He traveled all night eating nothing but tangerines and crossed a bridge of rocks over to Wild Island. And that is where we pick up the story. My Father's Dragon by Ruth Stiles Gannett. 
Chapter 4 My Father Finds the River The jungle began just beyond a narrow strip of beach. Thick, dark, damp, scary jungle. My father hardly knew where to go, so he crawled under a wahoo bush to think and ate eight tangerines. The first thing to do, he decided, was to find the river, because the dragon was tied somewhere along its bank. Then he thought, if the river flows to the ocean, I ought to be able to find it quite easily if I just walk along the beach far enough. So my father walked until the sun rose and he was quite far from the ocean rocks. It was dangerous to stay near them because they might be guarded in the daytime. He found a clump of tall grass and sat down. Then he took off his rubber boots and ate three more tangerines. He could have eaten 12, but he hadn't seen any tangerines on this island and he could not risk running out of something to eat. My father slept all that day and only woke up late in the afternoon when he heard a funny voice saying, Queer, queer, what a dear little duck. Oh, I mean, dear, dear, what a queer little rock. My father saw a tiny paw rubbing itself on his knapsack. He lay very still, and the mouse, for it was a mouse, hurried away, muttering to itself, Oh, I must smell, Tum Duddy. Oh, I mean, I must tell somebody. My father waited a few minutes and then started down the beach because it was almost dark now and he was afraid the mouse really would tell somebody. He walked all night and two scary things happened. First, he just had to sneeze, so he did. And somebody close by said, Is that you, monkey? My father said, Yes. Then the voice said, You must have something on your back, monkey. And my father said, Yes? Because he did. He had his knapsack on his back. What do you have on your back, monkey? Asked the voice. My father didn't know what to say because what would a monkey have on its back? And how would it sound telling somebody about it if it did have something? Just then another voice said, I bet you're taking your sick grandmother to the doctor's. My father said, yes, and hurried on. Quite by accident, he found out later that he'd been talking to a pair of tortoises. The second thing that happened was that he nearly walked right between two wild boars who were talking in low solemn whispers when he first saw the dark shapes he thought they were boulders just in time he heard one of them say there are three signs of recent invasion first fresh tangerine peels were found under the wahoo bush near the ocean of rocks second a mouse reported an extraordinary rock some distance from the ocean rocks which upon further investigation simply wasn't there however more fresh tangerine peels were found in the same spot which is the third sign of invasion Since tangerines do not grow on our island, somebody must have brought them across the ocean rocks from the other island, which may or may not have something to do with the appearance and or disappearance of the extraordinary rock reported by the mouse. After a long silence, the other board said, You know, I think we're taking this all too seriously. Those pills probably floated over here all by themselves, and you know how unreliable mice are. Besides, if there had been an invasion, I would have seen it. 
Perhaps you're right, said the first boar. Shall we retire? Whereupon they both trundled back into the jungle. Well, that taught my father a lesson, and after that he saved all his tangerine peels. He walked all night, and toward morning came to the river. Then his troubles really began. Chapter 5. My Father Meets Some Tigers The river was very wide and muddy, and the jungle was very gloomy and dense. The trees grew close to each other, and what room there was between them was taken up by great high ferns with sticky leaves. My father hated to leave the beach, but he decided to start along the riverbank, where at least the jungle wasn't quite so thick. He ate three tangerines, making sure to keep all the peels this time, and put on his rubber boots. My father tried to follow the riverbank, but it was very swampy, and as he went further, the swamp became deeper. When it was almost as deep as his boot tops, he got stuck in the oozy, mucky mud. My father tugged and tugged and nearly pulled his boots right off, but at last he managed to wade to a drier place. Here the jungle was so thick that he could hardly see where the river was. He unpacked his compass and figured out the direction he should walk in order to stay near the river. But he didn't know that the river made a very sharp curve away from him, just a little way beyond, and so as he walked straight ahead, he was getting farther and farther away from the river. It was very hard to walk in the jungle. The sticky leaves of the ferns caught at my father's hair, and he kept tripping over roots and rotten logs. Sometimes the trees were clumped so closely together that he couldn't squeeze between them and had to walk a long way around. He began to hear whispery noises but he couldn't see any animals anywhere. The deeper into the jungle he went, the surer he was that something was following him. And he thought he heard whispery noises on both sides of him as well as behind. He tried to run, but he tripped over more roots and the noises only came nearer. Once or twice, he thought he heard something laughing at him. At last, he came into a clearing and ran right into the middle of it so that he could see anything that might try to attack him. He was surprised when he looked and saw 14 green eyes coming out of the jungle all the way around the clearing. And when the green eyes turned into seven tigers, the tigers walked around him in a big circle, looking hungrier all the time. And then they sat down and began to talk. I suppose you thought we didn't know you were trespassing in our jungle. Then the next tiger spoke. I suppose you're going to say you didn't know it was our jungle. Did you know that not one explorer has ever left this island alive? Said the third tiger. My father thought of the cat and knew this wasn't true. But of course he had too much sense to say so. One doesn't contradict a hungry tiger. The tigers went on talking in turn. You're our first little boy, you know. I'm curious to know if you're especially tender. Maybe you think we have regular mealtimes, but we don't. We just eat whenever we're feeling hungry, said the fifth tiger. And we're very hungry right now. In fact, I can hardly wait, said the sixth. 
I can't wait, said the seventh tiger. And then all the tigers said together in a loud roar, Let's begin right now. And they moved in closer. My father looked at those seven hungry tigers and then he had an idea. He quickly opened his knapsack and took out the chewing gum. The cat had told him that tigers were especially fond of chewing gum, which was very scarce on the island. So he threw them each a piece, but they only growled, As fond as we are of chewing gum, we're sure we'd like you even better. And they moved so close that he could feel them breathing on his face. But but this is very special chewing gum, said my father. If you keep on chewing it long enough, it will turn green. And then if you plant it, it will grow more chewing gum. And the sooner you start chewing, the sooner you'll have more. The tiger said, why, you don't say, isn't that fine? And as each one wanted to be the first to plant the chewing gum, they all unwrapped their pieces and began chewing as hard as they could. Every once in a while, one tiger would look into another tiger's mouth and say, nope, it's not done yet, until finally they were all so busy looking in each other's mouths to make sure that no one was getting ahead that they forgot all about my father. Chapter 6. My Father Meets a Rhinoceros My father soon found a trail leading away from the clearing. All sorts of animals might be using it too, but he decided to follow the trail no matter what he met because it might lead to the dragon. He kept a sharp lookout in front and behind as he went on. Just as he was feeling quite safe, he came around a curve right behind the two wild boars. One of them was saying to the other, Did you know that the tortoises thought they saw Monkey carrying his sick grandmother to the doctor's last night? But Monkey's grandmother died a week ago, so they must have seen something else. I wonder what that was. I told you there was an invasion afoot, said the other boar, and I intend to find out what it was. I simply can't stand invasions. Me neither said a tiny little voice. Ah, I mean, me neither. And my father knew that the mouse was there too. Well, said the first boar, you search the trail up this way to the dragon. I'll go back down the other way through the big clearing and we'll send mouse to watch the ocean rocks in case the invasion should decide to go away before we find it. My father hid behind a mahogany tree just in time and the first boar walked right past him. My father waited for the other boar to get a head start on him, but he didn't wait very long because he knew that when the first boar saw the tigers chewing gum in the clearing, he'd be even more suspicious. Soon, the trail crossed a little brook and my father, who by this time was very thirsty, stopped to get a drink of water. He still had on his rubber boots, so he waded into a little pool of water and was stooping down when something quite sharp picked him up by the seat of the pants and shook him very hard. Don't you know that's me private weeping pool? said a deep angry voice. My father couldn't see who was talking because he was hanging in the air right over the pool, but he said, oh, oh no, I'm sorry. I didn't know that everybody had a private weeping pool. Everybody doesn't, said the angry voice. 
but I do because I have such a big thing to weep about and I drown everybody I found using my weeping pool. With that, the animal tossed my father up, up, and down over the water. What is it that you weep about so much? Asked my father, trying to get his breath, and he thought over all the things he had in his pack. Oh, I have many things to weep about, but the biggest thing is the color of my tusk. (laughs) My father squirmed every which way trying to see the tusk, but it was through the seat of his pants where he couldn't possibly see it. When I was a young rhinoceros, my tusk was pearly white, said the animal. And then my father knew that he was hanging by the seat of his pants from the rhinoceros's tusk. But it has turned a nasty yellow-gray in me old age, and I find it very ugly. You see, everything else about me is ugly. Oh, but when I had a beautiful tusk, I didn't worry so much about the rest. Now that my tusk is ugly too, I can't sleep nights just thinking about how completely ugly I am. (laughs) And I weep all the time. (laughs) But why should I be telling you these things? I caught you using me, Paul. And now I'm going to drown you. Uh, Wait a minute, rhinoceros, said my father. I have some things that will make your tusk all white and beautiful again. Just let me down and I'll give them to you. The rhinoceros said, You do? I can hardly believe it. (gasps) Why, I'm, I'm so excited. He put my father down and danced around in a circle while my father got out the tube of toothpaste and the toothbrush. Now, said my father, just move your tusk a little nearer, please, and I'll show you how to begin. My father wet the brush in the pool, squeezed on a dab of toothpaste, and scrubbed very hard in one tiny spot. Then he told the rhinoceros to wash it off, and when the pool was calm again, he told the rhinoceros to look in the water and see how white the little spot was. It was hard to see in the dim light of the jungle, but sure enough, the spot shone pearly white, just like new. The rhinoceros was so pleased that he grabbed the toothbrush and began scrubbing almost violently, forgetting all about my father. Just then, my father heard hoofsteps and he jumped behind the rhinoceros. It was the boar coming back from the big clearing where the tigers were chewing gum. The boar looked at the rhinoceros and at the toothbrush and at the tube of toothpaste And then he scratched his ear on a tree. Tell me, rhinoceros, he said, where did you get that fine tube of toothpaste and that toothbrush? Too busy, said the rhinoceros, and he went on brushing as hard as he could. The boar sniffed angrily and trotted down the trail toward the dragon, muttering to himself, Very suspicious. Tiger's too busy chewing gum. Rhinoceros too busy brushing his tusk. Must get hold of that invasion. Don't like it one bit. Not one bit. It's upsetting everybody terribly. Wonder what it's doing here anyway.
Chapter 7 My Father Meets a Lion My father waved goodbye to the rhinoceros, who was much too busy to notice, got a drink farther down the brook and waded back to the trail. He hadn't gone very far when he heard an angry animal roaring. Ding, blast it! I told you not to go blackberrying yesterday. Won't you ever learn? What will your mother say? My father crept along and peered into a small clearing just ahead. A lion was prancing about, clawing at his mane, which was all snarled and full of blackberry twigs. The more he clawed, the worse it became. And the madder he grew, and the more he yelled at himself, because it was himself he was yelling at all the time. My father could see the trail went through the clearing, so he decided to crawl around the edge in the underbrush and not disturb the lion. He crawled and crawled, and the yelling grew louder and louder. Just as he was about to reach the trail on the other side, the yelling suddenly stopped. My father looked around and saw the lion glaring at him. The lion charged and skidded to a stop a few inches away. Who are you? The lion yelled at my father. Um, my, my name is Elmer Elevator. Where do you think you're going? I'm going home, said my father. That's what you think, said the lion. Ordinarily, I'd save you for afternoon tea, but I happen to be upset enough and hungry enough to eat you right now. And he picked up my father in his front paws to feel how fat he was. My father said, Oh, please, lion, before you eat me, tell me why you're so particularly upset today. It's my mane, said the lion, as he was figuring out how many bites a little boy would make. You see what a dreadful mess it is, and I don't seem to be able to do anything about it. My mother is coming over on the dragon this afternoon, and if she sees me this way, I'm afraid she'll stop my allowance. She can't stand messy manes. But now I'm going to eat you, so it won't make any difference to you. Oh, wait a minute, said my father, and I'll give you the things you need to make your mane all tidy and beautiful. I have them here in my pack. You do, said the lion. Well, give them to me, and perhaps I'll save you for afternoon tea after all. And he put my father down on the ground. My father opened the pack and took out the comb and the brush and the seven hair ribbons of different colors. Look, he said, I'll show you what to do on your forelock, and you can watch me. First, you brush a while, and then you comb, and then you brush again until all the twigs and snarls are gone. Then you divide it up in three and braid it like this and tie a ribbon around the end. As my father was doing this, the lion watched very carefully and began to look much happier. When my father tied on the ribbon, he was all smiles. Oh, that's wonderful. <gasps> really wonderful, said the lion. Let me have the comb and brush and see if I can do it. So my father gave him the comb and brush, and the lion began busily grooming his mane. As a matter of fact, he was so busy 
that he didn't even know when my father left. Thank you so much for joining me today. You know, Mama Roe, my mother, loves the book My Father's Dragon. And she came over to listen with us and brought me a wonderful bowl of chicken soup. It's still quite warm, so I'm stirring it and blowing on it. When we're finished here, I'm going to enjoy this soup and I'm probably going to take another one of my naps. I hope that if you are having a sick day like I am, you start to feel better soon so that we can all stay happy, stay healthy, and keep reading. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading. Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading. Till the day comes we meet again Stay happy, stay healthy, keep reading my friends